You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. If you are listening to this anytime around when it comes out, you probably just got through with a couple days of rain because it's supposed to rain all weekend, it's supposed to rain all week. Uh, I feel like you guys are probably getting sick of me talking about rain in all my intros, but I'm getting sick of the rain. This is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it just keeps raining, keeps raining. This week it wasn't too bad, but of course this coming weekend... We have more rain. I think it's like they bumped it up to 65% on Saturday and like 70 on Sunday. Just absolutely ridiculous and making it really, really hard for me to get out there and have fun. And uh, and I don't like that. Like, I need my outdoor time. I just really, really crave that time, and I have not been getting it. I did get the boat out on the water uh, on Saturday, the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. I swore I wasn't going to do it, but it was just so pretty, finally. And so I took the boat out and just tried to kind of stay away from all the uh, Memorial Day traffic. I did run across, I was going to do some fishing at the little marina, and man, I almost got capsized because there was about 600 pontoon boats out there turning in circles, you know, pulling tubes, and it, like it was a fairly calm day, but there was just gigantic waves everywhere because there was all these giant pontoon boats out there, what did I say, pontoon boats out there tubing. And, uh, yeah, so if that was one of you guys, you know, I hope you had fun. Uh, I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. It was Memorial Day weekend. I hope you were out there on the water, and it was a beautiful day. So, But uh, it made my fishing a little challenging because uh, the water was really rough, and then all the rain, it was like uh, the lake I was on, it had a few uh, uh, ramp closures, 
Um, but I know like Broken, I think I, I heard Broken Bow, they closed all but the marina, I think, over Memorial Day weekend. So uh, if your plans were to go there, I'm sorry because I have a feeling that made it even uh, more crowded than it would usually be. Um, but yeah, I just, there's so much rain. That's that's all I'm going to say. There's so much rain. But uh, this weekend, I'm heading out to the ranch. Again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get anything done once again because there's chances of rain. I thought the rain was going to hold out until like Saturday night. And so I thought about even taking the boat with me because there's one of our farm ponds I've been wanting to put the boat on. It's about four acres. So like it's a little small to have a boat on, but I just want to do it for the heck of it. I mean, why not? Um, but you know, there's no, not a boat ramp, obviously I just, you know, have to drive it off the bank. And so if it's raining, that's not going to happen because I have to be able to get it in and out. And I just don't want to be out there in the rain. So I am hoping to get a few cameras. Uh, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking today. We're going to talk about some, some interesting summer trail cam stuff. Uh, we are going to talk about, you know, strategy and stuff, but we're also going to talk about, why I'm not as big on summer trail camera pictures as I used to be. So, so that's kind of what we got in store today. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast. I've had a lot of interaction again on the social media accounts. Um, I even got a, a message from a guy from a different state asking some questions about Oklahoma. And so that type of stuff, I love it, guys. I absolutely love it. So keep telling your friends. Um, if you like it, you know, it really helps me out when you guys, you know, comment on social media stuff and like my post and share it and everything. So keep spreading the word about this podcast. I've had some awesome feedback. It seems like the people who are listening are loving it. And so keep spreading the word and, um, and yeah, I'm going to keep going. So, so that's enough of an intro for today. Uh, again, like I said, we're going to be talking about some summer trail cam stuff. And so we're going to jump on into that. And so here we go. So this topic of summer scouting, and more specifically trail cam, uh, or using trail cams to summer scout, is a tricky one. And it's almost hard for me to wrap my own head around it because I've learned a lot about it over the last several years, and and I still don't really know how I feel about it because uh, because of what I've learned, really. And to me, you almost have to make a decision of what your goal is with these cameras or with this summer scouting. Is it to learn about specific deer? You know, are you looking for a deer to hunt this fall? Are you just trying to learn how deer use the landscape, you know, use your property? Are you trying to get just kind of an idea of what's in the area? You know, are you, or are you really trying to hone in on like one specific buck? And, and basically, whichever one of those boxes you just checked, it kind of de- determines how you need to go about using your trail cameras this summer. And so you know, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. I do put up trail cameras in the summer. Um, I've changed how I use them over the past you know decade or so. Um, and, you know, you guys have heard me talk about the, the property that I talk about all the time, the one that, you know, we're now selling, but I've been hunting for the last uh, like seven or eight years. And that property was so unique in teaching me more than anything about – just deer patterns and, you know, shifting from summer to fall. And so I've, I've mentioned that I even, I think I even mentioned this two weeks ago on the, on the hard knocks podcast, but just to run over it again, kind of more specifically the way this property lined out, it was, it was a a decent sized property. Uh, it was just over a thousand acres. Um, but just the way it laid out, you could watch deer so well. And so it was kind of long and skinny and, uh, it ran north to south 
in the basically in the north it was kind of more rugged terrain a little rockier soil um and then down on the south end it was like super lush bottom ground and then kind of in the in the middle you had a little mix of everything as it transitioned there was a big ridge about you know three quarters away uh down and and there there was a big creek that ran along both edges uh one on the west and one on the east and so the way this property worked is usually during the summer all the bucks would be up north. They'd be in that kind of shallower soil stuff because that's where a lot of, you know, the, quote, weeds were uh, growing in the summer. And that's where they summered. That's where they had all their velvet stuff. And then basically as, you know, October came around, as it cooled off, as the days got shorter, they shed their velvet. A lot of the bucks, not all, but a lot of the bucks would basically pick one of those creeks and travel south. And, you know, some of them would stop a quarter of the way down. Some would stop half the way down. Some would go all the way to the south. And obviously some went east and west and north and everything. So it's not like every buck I got in the summer I had pictures of. But but I was pretty amazed. I would say about 75% of the bucks that I got summer pictures of, I would find them in the fall. Now, I would find them in a different place. You know, it was pretty rare that a lot of them stayed in that spot. But, you know, some would disperse a quarter mile. Some would disperse a mile. And it just kind of so happened that the way this property laid out, that was still on our property so I could watch this. And, uh, and I bring this up for two reasons. One, just the obvious reason of like, more than likely the bucks that you catch this summer are going to disperse somewhere. Now, like I said, that may only be a quarter mile that, but that may be two miles. And so, you know, if you're hunting a larger property, it's, you know, it goes to show that you could probably find them somewhere else. If you're hunting 80 acres, it's, you know, going to be a whole lot harder unless you have permission on some sur- surrounding properties uh, to find that buck again. But uh, so that was one thing I learned is just that bucks definitely disperse and you never know where they're going to end up. But another thing this property taught me uh, on the summer scouting thing is you can definitely overdo it. And so once I kind of figured out, you know, it took me a couple of years to kind of figure out this dispersion thing and, and find bucks in the summer. And, uh, and it took me a while to find these bucks cause I was always wanting to be in the timber. Like I wanted to be in that more lush area and it took me a while to figure out that they were at that more, uh, Northern kind of drier zone. But once I found them, like I wanted to hone in on them and I was like, sweet, like I'm learning about these bucks and you know, I'm going to pinpoint it. I'm going to kill one of these things opening day. And that never ever worked out. Um, but another thing I learned was that it is super easy to overpressure summertime bucks and it's not as easy as during the deer season you know i think like when they have that velvet on their head they're kind of a different animal they like you can get away with a little more you know i don't think they're they're just not in that survival mode yet like they know that they're just chilling it's summertime they're growing they they've never been hunted in the summer hopefully you know at least legally they've never been hunted and uh they're just kind of a more relaxed animal um but, uh, so this one, uh, instance, I, I made this food plot up on the north end of the property because again, that's where I was getting all these summer pictures and I had, uh, about a two acre food plot. I had a feeder and a ground blind cause there wasn't a good, uh, tree to hunt out of. Uh, like I said, it was kind of more scrubby stuff and, uh, and y'all like, I just knew like I'd be getting all these buck pictures all summer and I just knew I was going to get in there October 1st and kill one of these giants um, but again, like when I started putting so much focus on this, there was one year, it was a, there was a big 10 point I was after 
this was going to be the third year I was after him, and and I had his number. Like he did the same thing two years in a row, the previous two years. I, I purposely was not hunting him because I was trying to let him get some age on him. He was a, I mean, just as typical of a ten point as you could imagine. And uh, and I was hunting him, and I was like, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to get him. And he was one of the bucks showing up in this food plot, and I had a text cam on the feeder. And then by the end of the summer, I had four other uh, cameras on that food plot. I had, you know, like one on the east, one on the west, uh, one basically like at the feeder facing out towards the food food plot. And uh, because I thought that I was just going to like surround this thing, I was going to figure that buck out and I was going to kill him opening day. Like that was my thinking. And, uh, and I got some awesome photos. I had like one camera, I turned it to where it was like facing down the fence line. I got a picture of this nice velvet eight point jumping the fence and, uh, and I was loving it. But when I started getting all these sweet, cool pictures, I started going to check my cameras more often because, you know, I was putting them on social media, social media, people were loving them. I was, you know, getting all these likes and stuff. And so that, you know, that like I put one more camera and then one more camera and I would go in there and I'd change the angles and, and do all this stuff. And, uh, y'all that year, that buck, when, when he shed his velvet, he was gone. I got one picture of him. And I mean, like I said, the previous two years, I could almost tell you to the day where that buck was going to be because he was so patternable. He was always in the same area. I had, I mean, I probably got a couple hundred pictures of him a year. And again, like I, I was just so confident that I, he would stay there and grow and that I would kill him later that I'd, I'd just let him go. Like I, I would purposely not be in that area because I didn't want to spook him out. Uh, but that summer, I think that I pushed him so hard that when it came fall, I literally, I changed his, uh, fall pattern because I pressured him so much in the summer. And so that was a hard lesson for me to learn. But it, again, it was a lesson I learned. And so, so now that's kind of all the past. So today, you know, what do I do uh, again? So I'm, you know, I'm kind of moving away from hunting that property. We have this other property that I've talked about a lot. You know, I call it my brother's place. And, um, it's a, it's a very different property. Again, y'all have probably heard me talk about this. You know, it's more of a ranching property, way more open, open, way less timber and everything. And, and I really have to be a lot more careful because there's just so many places the deer can be on this property because of the cows and because they, you know, we graze it really hard and everything. And so, uh, this last year was the first year I really like, put a bunch of effort into this property. I'd hunted it in the years past, but I didn't really focus on it until this last year. And, uh, I, I didn't want to make that same mistake. I didn't want to overpressure these deer. And it was almost the same situation. Like I had a nice 10 point. Uh, I had seen him two years before, uh, which would have been in 2018, uh, passed him as a three year old. Uh, the next year he kind of just vanished. I don't know. I wasn't running a ton of cameras, but I don't think I got a single picture of him, uh, in 2019 as a four-year-old. And then, uh, 2020 last year came around and, uh, I set some cameras up and I started getting pictures of him. I think I got my first picture of him in June. And of course at that time I didn't know what deer he was, but he, I could tell he was a nice 10. And, uh, but the big difference was the thing I did, I, use text cameras. I have two cell cameras and that's it. Uh, and now I did put out a few other cameras. Um, but I realized like I knew that 
that deer, I was probably not going to be hunting him where I got these pictures. And, you know, the pictures were kind of accident. Like I wasn't looking for this deer. Um, it was just close to one of my hunting locations. So I set this camera up, I got him and I was like, Oh, like I want more pictures of this deer. And so the way or what I did with my cameras that summer was I basically put them up to get pictures for social media. Like I just wanted to have fun with this deer. I mean, he was a nice big deer. I knew that there was a small chance. I mean, obviously I was going to try to kill him if he stayed around, but and I, I put a lot of effort into trying to make him, you know, stick around. That's where we have put our big uh, four-acre food plot in, and and I had a uh, a poly blind, one of those round poly blinds I talked about uh, previously. And uh, I mean, it was set up like if he was going to stick around, I was going to get him there. Um, I got some awesome photos of him, some awesome velvet photos of him. Uh, actually, I just posted one last week. If you need to go to Instagram and check it out, he's the big ten point looking back at the camera. Um. But I knew better than to push him. And so I had, I think, two cell cameras back there. I put out maybe three other, you know, non-cell cameras. But those non-cell cameras, I just, I didn't get stingy with them. Uh, you know, like I said in that in that previous story, I was going in, I was checking them probably every week, you know, max two weeks. And, and that was just too much. And so with this other buck, like I said, had the cell cameras. The other pictures, I, I would allow myself to check them once a month. And even that is probably too much, especially in the summer. Because again, like right now, you're not trying to make a move on these deer. You know, it's not like you need to know where they're going to be every second of every day because it's too early to kill them or hunt them even. And so you just really got to be patient. Like that's what I've learned over the years. You really, really, really have to be patient. And so I'm going to talk about some, you know, strategies and stuff and how I get these pictures. And, uh, but that's the biggest thing is like, I'm just not as big of a fan of summer scouting as I used to be. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a place where I can, you know, sit on a hill and watch bean fields and stuff. You know, if you do, that's awesome. That's different. You know, if you're sitting a mile away and glassing, like, do that as much as you want, you know, I guess keep an eye on the wind, you know, you don't want wind going to them, but, but, uh, you know, at that distance and stuff, like you're not really messing with them, but if you're trying to set up trail cameras close and, you know, another thing you have to keep in mind, like in these summer months, deer are not traveling very far, you know, like they're on a strict bed to food pattern. They don't care about does. They don't care about looking for new territory or anything like that. They want a very safe place that they can eat and find some shade. Like, that's it. And so, you know, these pictures you're getting during the summer, you got to keep in mind, like, that buck is probably bedded fairly close. Um, and so, you know, if you're getting in there, you know, once a week or more than that, uh, to set these trail cameras up and to check them and everything, like, you're probably getting way closer to these bucks than you think. And, you know, it's cool because you get all these pictures and stuff. And, you know, I like, again, like, I'm very guilty of this. I love velvet pictures. I think they're awesome. I love putting them on social media and stuff. But uh, but you got to or ask yourself, like, is that worth it? Is getting these cool photos worth it? And, like, you know, like, you can still get the photos. I'm not saying that. But, you know, is it worth getting them every week? You know, that's kind of more the question. Like, um, you know, setting up a camera in the middle of June and then going to get it in, you know, end of August or something like that, 
perfectly acceptable. Like, you're probably not going to do that much damage, especially if you're going in to do something else. Like, you know, if you're going into, if you fill your feeders at the, you know, beginning of September to get ready for season, that is a fantastic time to pull all your cameras, uh, you know, from your summer scouting session because you're probably going to want to move them more towards a hunting location anyway. And so, you know, your month before season, you can pull those cameras, move them, and check all the cards, and then, boom, you got your inventory. Uh, you know, if that's your goal is just to get inventory, there you go. If your goal is to get, you know, sweet pictures, there you go again. Uh, so you just got to be a little more patient, you know. But as far as hunting, it's going to do you a whole lot more good to be patient and wait and, you know, set those cameras, let them soak, and then, you know, use that information for a hunting purpose as opposed to, you know, the social media craze and stuff like that. All right, so I think I, uh, you know, beat that horse enough. I think y'all get my point and how I feel about summer scouting and trail cameras and all that good stuff. But um, I do want to talk about some strategies because, like I said, I do put cameras out, um, and I, I can't do think it can be helpful. And so I do want to talk about, you know, some strategies and stuff and where to place your cameras. Probably my number one spot for summer trail cam photos is over a mineral site. Um, I use trophy rocks mostly. Um, I've tried like bagged minerals, but in my experience, the hogs find it and I've had hogs eat a whole bag of mineral in like one day. And so, uh, I really haven't had hogs mess with my trophy rocks at all. Um, but even when they do, they just, they can't destroy them like they can, you know, a bagged mineral. And so I really like the rock form. Uh, like I said, mostly just because of the hogs. If, if hogs were not an issue, if you live in a place where you don't have hogs, I would, I think the bag is probably great. Um, you know, it can kind of get down in the soil and even after it's, you know, technically gone, I think you'll have deer come and paw the dirt looking for it and stuff. But like I said, I use the rocks, um, and setting a, a camera up over a trophy rock is a great idea. Um, usually I, I don't run as many trophy rocks as I used to. Um, I don't think they, I don't think that you get as much benefit out of, you know, mineral supplements as most people think. But, uh, anyway, so I, in my experience, the, the rocks will usually last about a month, which works out great for checking the camera. And so mineral, uh, rocks are probably my number one. And honestly, you can put those just about anywhere. Um, you probably don't want it way out in the middle of a field, obviously, um, I've used them like in the deep timber. I've used them on the field edge and I think both those, you know, types of things are great. Um, I, I have heard that putting them closer to water will, uh, make the deer visit them more. Um, so you might keep that in mind and maybe, you know, have a pond nearby or a stream Creek, something like that. Um, and then speaking of water, uh, I have tried putting cameras over water in the past during the summer. And I've never had that good of luck. Um, I think deer just, I don't think deer, I wouldn't say they don't require as much water, but they get water from multiple sources and, uh, and even like vegetation. Like I think deer can take water out of vegetation and they don't have to drink as much. Um, and I don't think deer, especially bucks, like going to big stock ponds unless they absolutely have to. Um, what I like to do as far as like a water is I like finding a ditch, um, you know, if you, like a, some kind of ravine or crevice, uh, something like that, where it catches water when it rains. And, you know, like if it's raining, obviously the water's going to be running. And then when the water stops running, it's going to pool in these different areas. 
And I usually don't set the camera on the actual pool. I just kind of set it along that drainage, you know. Um, so it's normally shaded, you know, in a treed area. It's cool. And basically that's where bucks are going to go to cool off on those hot summer days. And so I've gotten good pictures there. Um, if you are a, a protein feeder guy, obviously that's going to be a great spot for a camera. Um you know, buck pictures, and it doesn't matter whether they're in day or night. Again, you're not trying to hunt these deer at this point. You're just trying to see what's there. And so, obviously, a protein feeder is going to be a good one. Um, I have one time I ran my corn feeders most of the summer, uh, and they just weren't that productive. Like, if you think of, you know, if you go to, like, a scientific turn, corn is basically energy for a deer. And in the summertime, they just don't need that energy. They're not chasing uh, they're not trying to stay warm. If anything, they're trying to stay cool, you know. And so I'm not saying deer won't come to corn in the summer, but they just they don't come to corn in the summer like they do in the fall and winter. Um, and so to me, it's not worth it to run a feeder and feed the raccoons and hogs and stuff just to hopefully get a few deer pictures. And so, again, I don't normally put them on a corn feeder during the summer. Um, trails obviously just you know worn down trails are great uh saddles just like in the fall saddles are good um but i really like those low low areas you know like i said treed areas spots that might hold water um gates can be a really good one deer will tent will veer further than you would think to go through an open gate instead of having to jump or go under a fence i know that sounds weird but they really will. And so like in, you know, on our place, like I said, mostly a cattle ranch and in the back area, it's all fenced and stuff. But when we don't have the cows back there, I'll leave the gates open and I'll put cameras in those gates opening because those deer, again, like when the gates are open, they know it and they'll use the gates more often. Um, awesome random side note. <laughs> I was talking about earlier about that food plot where I had, uh, you know, the, the camera set up down the fence I set that camera up, uh, you know, because I wanted a sweet picture of a buck jumping that fence. And, again, super random side note, but uh, I had way, way more pictures of bucks going under that fence than over. And I was really shocked by that. And I'm talking like, uh, I mean, there was one like 140-inch eight-point that I had multiple pictures of him crawling under the fence instead of jumping over. And that kind of blew my mind that they will like, I don't know how they get their racks under those fences. Uh, it seems to me like it would be way easier for them to jump over, but they actually prefer to go under. So just a random side note. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're wanting a cool picture, there you go. But uh, what else? This is not necessarily like a camera tip, but just in general, like, you know, when you start trying to put these cameras out and whenever you get a picture of a buck, especially if it's a, a good buck or you get multiple bucks, Deer, like they, just like in the fall, you know, a lot of times deer will go back to the same area. They do that in the summer also. And not just like a specific buck, but just bucks in general. Like if a, if a spot is good for one buck, there's probably going to be more bucks in the area. And so as you do this, you know, summer scouting year after year, you can kind of hone in on where these bucks want to be. You know, like I talked about with that property, I always knew they were going to be towards that north end. And then I could use, you know, a mineral or a feeder or something like that to, to kind of concentrate them into one spot to get more pictures. But I basically knew that they were going to be in that general area every summer. And so I didn't waste my time putting a whole lot of cameras out in other spots. You know, I, I still would throw a few out in random spots just to kind of see. Uh, but for the most part, I would just kind of concentrate on that north area 
because again, like it was good for one buck. So it was good for all bucks. And, you know, every year I'd get, um, you know, five to sometime, I think one year I got like eight mature bucks on that same camera, um, you know, over the course of three or four months during the summer, because it was just a good area for a buck to summer, not be disturbed and have plenty of food and water. And so it was just a good spot. And so after you, you know, uh, have a couple of years of history, you know, with your property or whatever, you can figure these out and you know where that good spot is going to be. And, you know, when I had that one good spot, that's where I'd put my cell camera. And that's where, I, you know, I'd get more pictures more often because I knew that was the good spot. And so that's where I'd put my cell camera. Cause I, I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I can't afford to have a dozen cell cameras out there. And uh, like I said, I have two. And so, uh, usually how I use my cell cameras is I just kind of put them in the, in the, in the best spots, honestly, or, you know, when the fall comes around and I have, you know, my main target buck that I'm hunting, uh, I'll put my cell camera where I think he's going to, uh, show up. And so that way I can kind of keep tabs on him without having to go in there and pull the cards and, and check the cameras all the time. One spot that I almost forgot about because it doesn't really apply to me, but it might apply to some of you are those big ag fields. You know, if you are in a spot where they have a big corn field or a big uh, soybean field, something like that, those inside corners or, you know, if the, if the crops go right up against the woods, you know, usually there's a trail kind of between the crops and the woods. Those are really good spots. Uh, use that ag to your advantage, you know, just because it's not going to be there this fall doesn't mean you can't use it to get some inventory this summer. And so those are really good areas. Like I said, those inside corners, um, shady areas. I know that sounds weird, but, uh, you know, if a buck can, can get a nice meal in the shade, then, you know, they're going to do that. They're going to stay out of that sun if they can. Usually those uh, shady spots, you know, they might have more moisture, might be a little cooler for them. And so, yeah, don't forget those big ag fields if you're in a spot where those big ag fields exist. I almost forgot about it because I want to I think I, I need to look it up. I think the closest ag field that I can think of off the top of my head is like, probably 10 miles as the crow flies. And so that just kind of doesn't play into my strategy because we don't have them. But if you do have big ag fields, definitely don't forget about those. And that is definitely the situation where you could break out the spotting scope and do some quality glassing. You know, if you can park a little ways away and, uh, and glass down across the field, like that is awesome. It's honestly something that I've dreamed about doing. Like that sounds awesome. I just don't have the spot to do it. Um, I, I, I have a spotting scope. I bought it a couple of years ago. I really bought it for when I go out West. Um, and I would like, I dream, you know, I see on YouTube and or whatever, and you know, guys are sitting way far away and they have their spotting scope on the back of their truck or something. And I've always wanted to do that. I just don't really have a spot. I can do that. So yeah, if you can do it, do it because that sounds awesome. And I'm jealous of you. I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I'm not big on putting cameras on big water sources. Uh, a few other places that I feel like I should talk about are, um, bedding areas. I don't want to get my cameras too close to bedding areas. Like I was talking earlier, you know, these deer aren't traveling a whole lot in the heat of the summer and I don't want to do anything that could ruin a good bedding area because like, even if those bucks disperse, you know, some other bucks might come in or some of those bucks may end up hanging around. Um, and so I don't want to be bugging them in their bedding area that could screw up uh bucks that might use that this fall or you know like i said some bucks won't disperse and they'll stay around and so i don't want to be 
messing with those bedding areas and forcing those deer out because who knows, maybe one of those deer would have stuck around, but because you're going in there and, you know, messing with your camera all the time, now he does end up dispersing and goes somewhere else. And so I don't want to get it too close to a bedding area. And then I also don't want to hang cameras too close to my stands, you know, where I'm going to be hunting this fall, uh, especially if you're hunting a smaller property. You know, if you're only working with, you know, 40 acres, 80 acres, something like that, you know, you have to really be careful about where you go on your property and putting more pressure on those hunting spots is just not going to lead to fall success. And so, um, you know, that's something I do in the summer is I, I almost never put cameras where I'm going to be hunting that fall. I spread out, you know, even if it's only a hundred yards away, uh, that hundred yards could make a difference come this fall, you know, especially, like I said, if, especially if you're going to be going in there uh, a couple times a month, hopefully you're not. Um, but even once a month, just the more you can stay out of your actual stand locations, the better off you'll be. And that could almost work to your advantage. You know, like if you are walking into these other places, maybe that's going to make deer not want to spend as much time in that area. And maybe that pushes them closer to your stand area. And so, yeah, big water sources, I'm not big on bedding areas. I'm not big on and your fall stand locations. I'm not big on. So I've talked about a few good places to put them. I've talked about a few bad places to put them. Uh, I want to finish this with just kind of a few like overall tips, I guess. Um, number one is be careful with your scent, just like you would during hunting season. Uh, you know, a lot of people, and myself included, tend to get lazy in the summer because you you're not hunting and you you know you feel like you can kind of do whatever you want because the season's not here and stuff, but. You know, those deer can smell you just as good during the summer as they can in the fall. If anything, they can probably smell you better because it's probably 100 degrees and you're sweating like crazy. And so still be mindful of your scent, even though hunting season is a long way away. You know, wear your rubber boots, maybe go in right before rain or during the rain if you can. Just keep in mind that those deer are still going to smell you, and it could have some effect on your hunting, you know, if you're putting a lot of scent in the area. So that's tip number one. Tip number two would be try to keep your card pulls efficient. Um, and by that, I mean, like, if you're try to time it out to where you can do something else and you're not necessarily just making a special trip. You know, if you're going to hang a stand and you can swing by and pull the card and just make one trip instead of making one trip to hang the stand and a second trip to pull the card, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, if you can take your ATV or your tractor, like I did a lot of tractor pulls when I would be like spraying chemicals or mowing or, you know, even feeding or doing something like just doing ranch work. You know, I just kind of veer over and go pull my card while I was in the tractor and making all that noise. And it's not in, as an, as intrusive as, you know, just making a special trip in there to do that one specific thing. And so just try to be efficient and smart with, you know, how you pull your cards, when you pull them and all that good stuff. Again, if you have cell cameras, that's obviously the best way to go. Put some good high quality batteries in there, you know, some lithium batteries. My cameras, I, I run Bushnells. And uh, those are a very, I wouldn't say unpopular, but just, I never hear anybody talk about Bushnell trail cameras. They are absolutely my favorite. I have two of the Tex cameras and a bunch of the other cameras, and I have had zero problems with them. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, but with my uh, cell cameras, you know, if I don't have them on a feeder or something, like, you know, if I'm using them in the summer and they're maybe over a mineral side or just hanging on a tree, like, the batteries will last two or three months. And so, you know, the longer... 
those batteries last, you know, it really, that's the beauty of a cell camera. You, know, you don't have to do anything else to it. And uh, mine, you can change the settings from, like, I can change the settings from my phone and stuff. And so, you know, if I'm having a bunch of hogs come in or a low branch is setting the camera off or something, you know, I can change the settings right there so I don't have to go in. Um, but, yeah, so just be efficient with how you run your cameras. My third and probably final tip for this episode is don't stress. And I mean that in a bunch of different ways, but more specifically to this is don't stress if you're not getting summer pictures. Um, you know, we've talked about dispersal a lot in this episode and, you know, I'm sure you've heard somebody talk about how they either get a ton of pictures in the summer and less in the fall or they get no pictures in the summer and uh, more in the fall like just because deer aren't there in the summer does not mean there's not going to be deer there in the fall. And I've even had to learn that just because there's no deer on October 1st does not mean there's not going to be deer there October 31st. Um, you know, like for in that property that I've been talking about this whole episode, like the the big shift usually didn't happen until like end of September, early October. And so there's been a lot of times where like the first two weeks of October – uh, I didn't have a buck to hunt, even if I wanted to go hunt, like even if the conditions were perfect, because they were still in that shift and they really hadn't settled into their fall pattern. And so, you know, if it's September or whatever, August, September, whatever, and you're not getting any buck pictures, don't stress it. Don't stress it because those deer have not made their shift yet. Um, you know, usually they're going to start that shift, um, usually around like the second to third week of September. But uh, even after they start the shift, they might not settle into a, a home range until, you know, later in October. And so, again, like, you know, yes, you can obviously learn things during summer scouting, uh, but the fall is just a whole nother ball game. It really is. And so, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, you got to decide what your goal is for summer scouting. Is it, you know, are you trying to find a specific buck to hunt and then go and knock on doors and try to get permission to as many places as you can so when he does shift you can hunt him? Or are you, you know, a lot of people are locked into the property that they have. That's what they have and that's what they're going to hunt. And, you know, if that's the case, Again, like summer scouting is probably not going to help you a whole lot because you just don't know whether those bucks are going to stick around or not. And so, you know, do some other things, you know, hang your stands, get all your feeders up and going, make sure they're going before it's time to fill them. Uh, this last year, I think like, uh, I think I had at least four feeders that I filled them with corn and uh, went to check them and they weren't running because the battery was dead or the motor was bad or something like that. So do all that type of stuff. Uh, try not to put pressure on your deer during the summer. I know it's fun. Um, and like I said, you know, kind of as I've blabbered on this whole podcast, like for me, summer is really more about fun. Like I, I enjoy those awesome pictures. That's what I'm kind of going for. Um, but I'm, I'm really just doing it for fun, you know, to, to look at myself, to share on social media and stuff like that. And so, um, so yeah, that's enough of me rambling on. This is going to be a little bit shorter episode, but I wanted to get this episode out as we're kind of, you know, most people are kind of starting to think about their trail cameras and getting them out and stuff. And so I just kind of wanted to throw this out there as a, as that time approaches. Um, you know, if you're not a big summer scouting person, 
you know, a lot of people will wait to put their cameras out until, you know, August. Like, you know, if you're, if your goal is not to get those growing pictures, you probably don't need them out till about August. Like you can get a pretty good, uh, idea of what's in the area in August. Um, by that time, you know, you can really tell which deer is which usually, um, you know, they're going to be still be in velvet, but they'll have, they'll be just about fully grown. They'll have their little characteristics. You know, you can usually tell if a, if a brow tine, you know, curves off to the right and you got old hook there or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's a fun time, but again, just don't stress about it. Get out there and have some fun. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that long rambling episode. I hope it all made sense. I know I was a little bit all over the place. I kind of warned you at the beginning that I would be. I have a lot of thoughts on this stuff, and as you guys probably heard, like some of my own advice contradicts my own advice. And so you really just have to decide what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. And so I hope you were able to pull something out of this through all my yelling and rambling and storytelling. Uh, next week, we got another guest lined up. And uh, I know you guys enjoy those episodes and hearing the stories and everything. So that's what you have to look forward to. I just checked my phone. Uh, they have upped the rain chances even higher. And so I don't know what I'm going to get done this weekend, but uh, I'm probably going to get out there and do something because I'm just sick of sitting inside. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. I hope you have a great week. And uh, guys, I can't thank you guys enough for listening to this thing and supporting me. I really appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends and uh, you know check out all the other podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation. And yeah, I love you guys. Thank you guys. And I will talk to you guys next week.